Amen. And that's what we're here to do, is it not? To praise the one risen Son of God. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24 this morning. Um, it is good to see you. I know some of you were not able to be with us in our earlier service this morning. Thank you for being here. It is good to see you. It's good to be able to worship corporately with you, to celebrate that Jesus is alive together, for us to be able to gather and to think on these things and to sing these truths and to hear this scripture read. Uh, and it is an encouragement to me to be able to do that with you, to be able to hear your voices lifted up is a truly an encouraging thing. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to worship Jesus with us on this Easter Sunday. As we look here in, uh, in really what I would call our Easter proper service, we've been building up to this for weeks now. We've been walking through as Jesus came into Jerusalem, and we've seen some of the events that have taken place while he was there, and we've seen his crucifixion. And this morning we celebrated his atoning death, his sacrificial death in our place, and now we are at the resurrection. We are on Easter Sunday morning, and and we are celebrating the fact that he is not still dead, but he is alive. And so we sing it, and we say it, and we pray it, and we are thankful for this truth. So this morning we're going to see the account from the Gospel of Luke. Some of you may be more familiar with some of the other Gospel accounts, but this morning as we look in Luke, I pray that you're able to just sit under this teaching of God's Word and to just soak in the beautiful truth that Jesus did not stay dead, that he overcame death, and to think about what that means, not just for him, but what that means for us as well. So let me read the first verse of Luke 24 to give us the setting, and then we'll get into this text together. Luke 24, 1 says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. I do want to stop here for just a moment as we see this setting again. Some of you were with us in the early service and we read the text that, that came right up to here and stopped, but some weren't. And so I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So Jesus has died, right? He was crucified on the cross. He took the penalty for all of our sins. He took the punishment, the wrath of God for all of our sins so that every one of us that would respond to him in faith could be forgiven of our sins could be righteous in God's sight, could have eternal life. So he died on the cross, and they took him, and they put him in a tomb. And it's, we're told that there are some women that had followed him all the way from Galilee that were there, and they saw them lay him in the tomb, and then they went and got these spices and things ready. And then on Saturday, which was the Sabbath day, they rested. And so here we are. This is the first day of the week, Luke tells us. This is Sunday. This is the third day. This is the day that Jesus had said that he would come back to life. This is also the reason that we worship on Sunday now. We worship on Sunday and we call it the Lord's Day because it's the day that he arose from the dead. And so we gather every week to celebrate the fact that Jesus came back to life. And we do it on Sunday. So these, these ladies are now going to the tomb. But there's something that we see here that is of special note, it's what they're carrying with them. It says, on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And so those of you that know much of the story of the history here, the reason they're taking spices is because in this day and time, that's what they would anoint a dead body with, right? They would put these perfumes and spices and things on the body. And so they're taking these things to put them on Jesus' body, which tells us something. 
it tells us that what they expected to find when they got to the tomb was what? A dead body, right? That's what they're expecting to see. These ladies, even though it's the third day, they haven't put together all of the things that Jesus had taught yet. So they head to the tomb, fully expecting to find a dead body. Look with me in verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And before we see what these men, these angels, say to them, again, I just want to, to point out that these women, right, they get to the tomb, and when they get there, the stone, the great stone that's sealing the tomb has been rolled away, and they walk in and they find that Jesus' body is not there. And so our expectation, knowing the whole story, is that they would have celebrated at this point. You expect that they would walk into the tomb and see that his body is not there and that they would rejoice and that they would be excited. But that's not the reaction that they have. The reaction that they have, Luke tells us, is that they were perplexed. They were completely confounded. They were at a loss. They did not know what to do. That's what this word means. They were completely astounded that Jesus' body was not still in this tomb. These, you have to know, these are not Roman soldiers, right? These are not people that had been yelling, crucify him. These are women that have been his followers for a long, long time now. These are women that were with him whenever he was ministering in Galilee and that traveled with the disciples to Jerusalem and that have been with him that were there for the crucifixion, that went and watched Joseph lay his body in the tomb. These followers, these dedicated followers of Jesus still expected to find Jesus' dead body in the tomb when they went. And so point one this morning is, is based off this, is Jesus had truly died. And you might hear that or see that on the screen and think, well, that's an odd point for you to make this morning, isn't it, Brother Zach? And it does seem that way, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not an odd point. It's a very important thing for us to recognize that Jesus did not just play dead. Jesus did not just faint while he was on the cross and have his body taken and, and put in this tomb and then come back. No, Jesus, even though he is God Almighty who has always existed and who will always exist, he is literally immortal, but while he had taken on human flesh, the human body that Jesus was living in was dead, dead, fully dead. Dead. And why is that such an important thing for us to point out this morning? Because I want you to hear this. Only a true, real death can lead to a true and real resurrection. Right? If Jesus is not truly dead, then God is not truly showing His power to overcome death. And that's an important thing for us. It's important that the prophecies that had been made about Jesus and the prophecies that He had given about Himself were true. And if he did not truly die, then he could not truly come back to life. And so he was lying. And those things are important that Jesus never told a lie. But it's also important because, brothers and sisters, it shows that God is in every way, shape, form, and fashion stronger than death. And I don't know about you, but I'm banking on that for my future. My future plans fully depend on God being stronger than death. 
on God being able to take people that have died and to resurrect them to eternal life. That's important to me. Is that important to you? Amen? It is. It's an important thing. So here we see these women, they haven't put together all of Jesus' teachings yet. We'll see in a minute the apostles haven't even put together all these things, but they do show us this. Jesus was really dead. And they expected him, even on this third day, to still be fully dead. And so thankfully, God, he's very patient with us. He's very helpful towards us, uh, very gracious. And so he sends some angels to help these women put these things together. So look back. We'll start with verse 4 that we just read and read this uh, encounter. It says, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. So here we have the long-anticipated words, right? The, this phrase that we see here by this angel has rang true ever since. It's something that creation had been looking for ever since the Garden of Eden, whenever there was a promise that there would be one that would come that would strike the head of the serpent. And now we see it. They say that he is not here, for he has risen. Brothers and sisters, this is proof positive that Jesus is who he says he is. That everything that Jesus said about himself and that everything that the scriptures say about him are fully true. This is the seal of that promise. That Jesus is truly the Christ, the Messiah, right? The promised Savior, the, the, the long-awaited anointed one that was going to come and set his people free. That he is the one that was promised long before that would be born of a virgin, check, who would live a perfect life and fulfill all of the law, check, the only one to ever do that. That he would be king and ruler forever and he checks that box, that he would suffer many things in our place. That he would take the punishment that we deserve for our sins upon himself so that we would not have to bear them. He's already done that. Check. And that he would prove to be greater than death and live forever. And here we see the check to that as well. Brothers and sisters, all of the prophecies, all of the promises, all of the things that Jesus has said, all the things that scripture have told us about him are true and this proves it. The resurrection, his death in our place, his atoning death in our place, and then his resurrection show us that he is stronger than sin. Right? When he died on the cross, he has made atonement. He has paid the ransom for our sin, and that's taken care of. And now he promises, or shows the promise, that he is also stronger than death. So what do we have to fear? We don't have to fear sin and the power that it once had in our life for those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not stronger than us. We don't have to fear Satan. He's not stronger than the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. We don't have to fear death because death is just the doorway to eternal life. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. 
And so the angel reminds them. He reminds them, Jesus told you that this was going to happen. And they remember, right? It's like the light bulb goes off. That They remember that he said that all these things were going to happen. That on the third day that he would rise. And he did. He came back to life. And these women see. And the apostles see. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 15. That over 500 other people see. And one day. One day. Everybody will see, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm waiting for that day, and I pray that you are as well. Point two this morning is this. Jesus is everything we've waited for. Everything that these Jewish people had been waiting for in the Messiah and the Christ and the Savior and the Anointed One, He fulfills all of it. But He's also everything that you've waited for. He's everything that you've been searching for. I don't know every one of you well enough to know exactly what your hopes and dreams are and exactly what's going on in your life. But I can tell you this, brothers and sisters, that whatever it is that you wish for, whatever you wish for that is good, and wholesome, and perfect, whatever it is that, that would truly bring you meaning in your life, Jesus fills all those boxes. He offers everything that you could ever need. Peace, and Lord knows we need peace in our lives. I see the amount of stress and anxiety that so many of us deal with on a day-in, day-out basis, and hope in a world where often things seem hopeless, and contentment, to just enjoy and appreciate where you are and what you have. Those are found in Jesus. And love, true, never dying, unending love and acceptance as who you are, made righteous in Him, you are accepted in Christ. And there's freedom, there's freedom from the sin that's in your life and the things that have plagued you for so long and have drawn you back and those habits that you wish that you didn't have. There's freedom for those things in Jesus. And there's grace for those of you that think, I'm not good enough and I can never be good enough. There's no way that Jesus would have me. And the truth is, on our own, there is nothing in us that's good enough. But Jesus offers grace and forgiveness and mercy. And He says, even though you don't deserve it, I will accept you and I will have you and I will forgive you and I will love you. There's adoption into a new family that's found in Jesus. And there's strength where we're weak. And there's joy where there is a lack of happiness and joy in our lives. And there's victory over all the things that have defeated you. And brothers and sisters, there's eternal life. There is the promise of living forever in the glory of heaven in the presence of God. And every single one of these founds are found, things are found in one place, in one person. And His name is Jesus. And if you know that this morning, then you understand it. And you're here to celebrate it. But maybe you're here this morning because it's Easter. And your mama wanted you to go to church because it's Easter. Because everybody's mama wants them to go to church on Easter, Right? Maybe you're just here because Mama wanted you to come. Let me tell you this. If you're here this morning just because Mama wanted you to come, I've got somebody else I want to talk to you about. Not just Mama. I want to tell you about Jesus. If you don't know what He offers, and if you don't know what the abundance of life looks like when you know Jesus, I pray 
that I can talk to you before you leave here today. That we can set up a time to sit down and meet, or you can text me if you feel more comfortable doing that, or email, but find some way that we can get together and I can share with you everything that you've been missing. Because, brothers and sisters, if you don't know Jesus, I've got some exciting news for you today. I've got a Savior to tell you about. But for those of us that do know, that are already Christians, I wanted to share this with you. Probably, I think, probably one of the, the strongest chapters in Scripture that are talking about the implications of Jesus' death and resurrection. Found in 1 Corinthians 15. If you haven't read it today, it would be a great day for you to go and read Not right now. I see some of you. Not right now. Listen for a minute. Write it down and go look at it later. But I just want to read you a couple of verses that you've heard... I feel certain at a funeral or somewhere you've likely heard these verses before. But as, as Paul's thinking about the implications of Jesus' resurrection, what it means not only for Jesus, but for us as well, he says this in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four. He says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come the pa to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, here's the promise of Easter and Jesus' resurrection. It's not just the promise that Jesus is stronger than death. That God is stronger than death. That is the promise. We see that displayed. He was dead and he comes back to life. He is stronger than death. But the promise that goes with it, the implication of it, is not only is he stronger than death for himself, but he is stronger than death for everyone that believes in him. Right, The promise is that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, that every person that makes Him Lord and Savior, that calls on the name of Jesus to be their Lord, will also overcome death and be resurrected to live forever. So this promise of Jesus comes to us as well, that He is the first fruits and that we follow us in the same path. The last thing I want us to see this morning is how these women respond to this news, right? The angel's there. He tells them the great news. Hey, that tomb's empty because Jesus is alive. What do they do with that? Look with me in verse 8. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. What do the women do with this great news? They go and they share it. Right? They go to the apostles and they go to the other followers and believers of Jesus and they tell them the news, they tell them what has happened. And of course we see here, and it's, it's so surprising to us, that even the apostles do not believe. That had been with him, that heard him say from his very own mouth, that I will die and on the third day I will rise. And this is the third day. And the women say, he's not there. And an angel told us that he's come back to life. And it says they thought that it was a tall tale. Right? I, they could not believe it. They doubted it. Poor Thomas, he gets, he gets the blame for all of this. 
later, but they all had trouble believing it. But then we see what Peter does, and John tells us John with him. But Peter and John, they run to the tomb. It says that Peter looks in there, and when Peter looks in that tomb, and he sees the linen cloths lying there with nobody wrapped in them, says he went home marveling at what had happened. And point three, the last point is this. The gospel is marvelous and worth sharing. And I pray that we all agree on those two things. The gospel, what do we mean by the gospel? The gospel is the good news. That's what the word literally means. The good news that Jesus is God. He is who He says He is. He is who He says He was. He lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death and then He came back to life. He's still alive today, and one day He's coming back to get everybody that belongs to Him through faith. And He's taking us with Him. We're going to live in heaven in resurrected, perfect bodies forever and ever. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And, and Peter shows us that good news is worth marveling over. It's worth being astounded or perplexed by that God loves us enough. I want you to hear it personally, that God loves you enough that He would give His very own Son to make atonement for your sins. He would send His Son. He would come here. God would step down from heaven here to earth and go through all the things that He went through in order that you could have eternal life. That's how great God's love for you is. That's marvelous. And that He's stronger than sin and that He's stronger than death and that He offers these things freely to all of us is marvelous news. And I pray we celebrate it. Not just today because it's Easter, but every single day because it changes our eternity. But not only is this news worth marveling over, the women show it's worth sharing. And I wonder sometimes why we aren't this way, that we come here or we go to Sunday school or some of you that are just visiting with us because you're with family, you go to your home church and we go and we hear the Word of God or we read the Scriptures and we see things in God's Word and we celebrate them, right? While we're here today, we celebrate this and we're excited about this and we're so excited we sing about it. And we sing about these things and we pray and we thank God for these things and we discuss these things and then we leave here and we don't tell anybody about it. What a tragedy that is. Brothers and sisters, I believe that if we come here on Easter Sunday and we celebrate the fact that God loves us enough that Jesus died in our place and came back to life, we celebrate that and celebrate it big and sing about it and talk about it and dress up in pretty colors for it and then go eat and spend time with our family and never share that news with anybody else. That it's a tragedy. That that's not what we are called to do. Not just by the example of these women, but by Jesus Himself in Matthew 28 and Acts 1 and other places in the Scripture. He says, we should be His witnesses. We should be making disciples. So I pray that as we recognize the good news of the gospel, as we recognize how big of a deal Easter is, and how big of a deal it is for everybody that would believe in Jesus Christ, that we are compelled to go and share this news. Even if the people we share it with are like the apostles and cannot believe it, that's fine, but I pray that we cannot help but share it. That this marvelous news is news that we go and share. So I ask you this morning, and I, I pray that you would be honest with yourself. 
I pray this morning that you would honestly take a moment and think, do you know Jesus in this way? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior, as the guarantee that your sins are forgiven, as the promise that you will one day be resurrected to live forever, that you don't have to worry about death? Do you know Jesus in that way? As a personal Savior who loves you and cares for you? Do you know Him that way, or are you just here because it's Easter? And if you're just here because it's Easter, I don't want you to hear me saying that we wish you weren't here. I'm thankful that you're here. But I pray that your time here and hearing this story makes you at least stop and ask this question. Do you believe that everything I've said is true or do you not? Because if you don't, then that's one thing. But if you believe that all of this is true, then it should change who you are and it should change how you live. And it should change your habits and the things that you think are important in life. And if you don't know how, that, how it should change those things, I would love to talk to you about that. If you have questions about the authenticity of the, the historical report that Jesus came back from the dead, I would love to talk to you about that. There's a lot more proof than you might think that this is true outside of just Scripture itself. And I would love to share some of those things with you. But if you're here today and you know that you need to change something because of what we've discussed... I pray that you would find me, find Brother Grant. Let's find a time that we can sit down and talk. Let us know what questions you have so we might could answer them. But maybe you're here today and you haven't been in a little while. And you came because Easter, but you're reminded today that you're a child of God. And that you believe all these things. I pray that you would consider coming back regularly. We would love to have you with us. We would love for you to come and celebrate Christ with us every single week to be encouraged by us and to encourage us with your presence some of you are here and you are just thankful for who God is and what he's done for us and if that's true then maybe this morning you just want to respond by singing singing and celebrating Easter and what it means for us this morning I want to invite you to stand and I don't know what the Lord has laid on your heart to do if you need to talk to someone I would love to talk to you If you need to pray, you can pray where you are. If you want to sing, you sing. But you respond however the Lord leads you as our praise team leads us in a hymn of response.